welcome to a special recording. Uh, this is going to be more premium edition games focused as we have our first chat, fireside chat, oh yeah, with uh, <laughs> one of our team members. Go ahead, Frank, and uh, tell the listeners about you. Hey, what's up, guys? My name's Frank, aka Woodman FLG on most things. Um, I am our social media and marketing guy over here at PEG. Uh, I've been working with, um, I was actually just looking at my Facebook memories the other day and I saw some of the early, early games that I reviewed with JP over at JP Switch Mania. So uh, that's how I got ended up knowing JP and stuff like that. I was one of his reviewers when we were still doing reviews on that side of the thing. Um, and I was doing that for a little over two years and once we transitioned and you know, uh, the, we started doing the PEG thing, he reached out to me and was like, hey, I want you to be a part of this. Um, I've been doing marketing and community building for most of my life in the gaming community. Um, I've built probably the largest gaming community in Florida, it's Florida Gamers. Um, I do marketing for a retro video game store, M&M Video Games down here. Uh, so needless to say, advertising, community building, and video games are pretty much what I've been into. So it was a perfect fit. And uh, knowing JP already and getting introduced to the rest of the team, I really resonated with everyone. And I was like, this is home. This is home. <laughs> <laughs> and you said down there, you're down in uh, Florida, right? Oh yeah, sunny Florida. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm in Georgia, and it's uh, it's so ridiculous how much colder it is just a few hours north where I'm at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I was like, it was almost 30 degrees like a few days, and then yesterday was 70. So. Yep. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, they have it where, like, I don't know, I, I, I put shorts and a long sleeve shirt on in the morning nowadays because you just, you just don't know. Maybe it's a day I pull my sleeves up. Maybe it's a day that I complain that it's, you know, 50 degrees because I'm a natural-born Floridian, so... <laughs> like, oh my God. Well, and especially I used to be, um, I used to weigh like 400 pounds and I lost a lot of weight. And um, you'd be amazed how much colder you are, like 130 pounds smaller. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, during uh, this whole pandemic thing, I've lost about 40 pounds. And, um, you know, that's going under 200 for me. And that was ridiculous. I like. That's a big number. So cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I know during the holidays, I probably put on another three or four or five, five just because of the uh, the fun uh, holiday treats my wife's been cooking. Mm, yes, my girlfriend's a cake decorator, so um, and she's a baker, too, so anytime the holidays roll around, her family's big on Christmas cookies. I have, like, four Tupperwares full of Christmas cookies in the kitchen still, and it's hard not to eat those. <laughs> There's well, always some kind of a cake or something, so it's like, oh, the holidays, I love and hate you. We're actually, well, like, we're starting. Discipline, discipline is the hardest thing for me, so it's like, if it's not in the house, we're good, and then I'll like walk around like I'm hungry and complain, but then I won't eat, because it's not here. <laughs> exactly, no, I get it, I do that to myself too. I'm the king of like, I, I, you know, the older you get, the more you just know yourself and how your brain works, and then you just, that's how you deal with things. I'm like, if it's there, I'll find probably convince myself a good reason to eat it, but we're starting to diet, so we basically went and threw all the junk away that I would do that too, so now I just, do that and then I look around and I just grab a piece of zucchini and I go, oh, I guess I'll put it on the griddle. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so uh, yeah, we're ta- we're on diet talk here on the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Hey, that being said, bringing around to the switch, I actually for the first time in like months fired up Ring Fit, and okay. um, because the switch is great and you can switch it between uh, pun intended between different bases. My main TV in the in the living room, I just put my main switch on there and powered it up and. I forgot how fun the little DDR mode on it is. Um, Ring Fit DDR, which is ridiculous. I don't know if you've heard of that. I, I, um, I've been following, I've been meaning to get it. It was one of those, I was really into it when it was impossible to get it. Yeah. And then I was in Walmart uh, like last night to grab some stuff and I saw it sit and I saw it and there was like five copies and I was like, oh, I need to grab that. And I didn't end up grabbing it, but it's one that I do intend to grab. It, it looks so cool and I love, obviously I love RPGs. So yes. like- So to- that's the coolest part is like, so what I do, um, and I haven't played it in a while, but I figure now's a good time to just jump back in since it's the new year and everybody's doing their resolutions. Um, new year, new me. Yeah, I don't really do new resolutions. I just figured <laughs> it was, I was waiting for dinner last night. My wife was making some amazing soup because we're back on diet, and uh, and I, I've, I just knocked it out. But I usually play a mission because they have on the map they have different missions you do, mm-hmm. and so you're literally like running in place, and you um, do a bunch of different things as you run. You do squats or whatever to make the character jump, all this stuff, and then you battle guy, battle characters, and you get exercises are your battles. Mm-hmm. So like one would be taking the ring and putting it in and out or stuff like that and yeah, like, squeeze it mm-hmm. yeah and it's like different muscle groups um yeah. so i do one of those and then what i do now is there's an actual mode that they created a free dlc that's ddr so it has music from the game as well as some mario and some zelda and some splatoon music okay and, I, I love freaking rhythm games that's awesome and you choose arms or abs and so the arms one, and I, I was like, hey, I'll just play this until my my uh, dinner gets done. And my wife was using the Instapot and forgot to close the little um, lever. So it, the vent, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we had to restart. And I was like sitting there, I was, I was starting to get muscle failure from playing DDR <laughs> because, so the arm one, you're doing ins and outs, and it's literally like biceps and triceps and stuff like that um, mm-hmm. to the music. <laughs> and so like and then you'll have to do ones where you have to move it really fast or you'll have to hold and you'll have to twist to the left and to the right the ab one was ridiculous where you hold the ring inside into your abs really hard so that mm-hmm. way like you're toning your abs and then you go left and right and you and you um and then you do this crazy thing where you twist real fast Okay. <laughs> and so, like, I, I was alternating between those, and I put it in, in in hardcore mode, and it was ridiculous. Like, I was getting crushed by a DDR clone. Um, but it was just so cool that they created that um, mm-hmm. as a bonus. Well, it so, feels like it fits right in with it, you know? Like, it, it, it definitely, with the way that they built it and the way that the thing itself works and everything that seems like it's like a no-brainer almost it's like that's awesome that they were like you know what we could do with this and they were like let's do it let's just put it in there free dlc let's go i love seeing i just think it's hilarious now as i'm playing that i'm like man could we be the first third party let's make a game with the ring fit the the ring con (laughs) does the uh does the ring have like a variable resistance or is it just one resistance and it does it more through repetition 
It's all repetition. Okay, um, okay. Now, it's not easy, because, like, I'm in shape person. Um, mm-hmm. Losing 40 pounds is ridiculous for me. I'm in shape person. I've been working out for 15 years just for my job, my main job. Um, and so, like, when you're doing it, like, pressing it in all the way, it's not easy. I can't, yeah. press, it, I can't press it all the way together. I don't know if you really can. The mm-hmm. way that they created it, it's, it's a good workout. That's and, really cool. And I mean, ring fit's a fun thing. It, like I just remember trying to do it for the playcast, and I think Barry turned it on for thirty seconds and injured himself or something. Like <laughs> I was like, you can't make that up. I'm like, <laughs> and the best part was this was all JP's idea to do it, and he didn't play it. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I'm like, I'm the only one. I was playing it for for like a while at the beginning of 2020. Um, when it came out, I was playing for like the first good month and then I just like stopped doing it for some reason. I think it was cause the way that I have my game set up now, there's no, I had a big open floor in the middle and now I don't. Um, there's a, I have my, a big recliner chair in there now, which is great. Um, but because I don't have that anymore, now I, um, haven't done it. And so that's where like switching and going into the living room that worked well. Yeah. So hoping i can maintain that and continue to do um workouts yeah i I need to grab it it's definitely something i'm a lot more uh i played a lot of ddr back in the day so i know i am a lot more willing to to move around and do stuff if there's pretty lights and flashes and instant gratification for my brain so and you level up your characters and (laughs) i love leveling up (laughs) yeah and there's items and things so like i haven't even gotten to the point yet and i'm assuming it's coming where you have to use uh, potions and stuff, so you make smoothies, um, and to use the smoothies and stuff because you can use smoothies to gain life and all that. Well, I haven't had that uh, yet, where I've had to use any of that. Mm-hmm. My dog just came in and and checked on me and then shook and left. <laughs> it's like, uh, ring fit, not running around outside with me. Ugh. It's okay. My dog looks at me that way all the time too. Oh, he's almost 15 years old himself, so he's he's an old man. He doesn't he he's blind and can't smell anymore. Poor guy. <laughs> uh, so um so what have you been up to, Frank? Let's let's talk about you. Um honestly, uh, over I I also I review games and work over with a site called Monster Vine. Um this past month has been we're really big on our game of the year stuff. A lot of people love that. So I've honestly just been trying to knock out some of the stuff that um that i missed and everything like that honestly like we were saying i've been as flawed as it is i have like 50 hours in cyberpunk man i'm trying to i'm looking into how to replace my eyes already i'm having a blast with that uh yakuza like a dragon that game is absolutely blew my mind um i've never seen a game series like eight games in so flawlessly pull off a genre shift uh, Yakuza is a 3D brawler, essentially gameplay-wise. Uh, like a Dragon is a traditional Dragon Quest JRPG. Like they had to have paid Square because they name drop Dragon Quest all the time. Uh, the main character he grew up playing Dragon Quest, and that is the explanation in game as to why it's an RPG. Because he played Dragon Quest, so he figured out that he can just look at his life like it's an RPG game, and he's fine <laughs> with that. And it's great because he'll like get into a fight and he's like, do you see, does that guy on fire? Or is it just, they're like, oh, oh, Ichiban, you have those gamer eyes. And I'm just like, (laughs) what? (laughs) 
it's, that game it, is so weird. I love it. <laughs> your, well, your your party, you know, you have a homeless guy is your mage, and his abilities is he can throw seeds and make pigeons attack people, or he can use his bad alcoholic breath to lower defense. It's just. It's so absolutely absurd while still trying to remain rooted in reality. Like it, it just the, the stuff that it does in order to do its JRPG tropes is so like you just you're, you're like, oh, that's clever. That's funny. Like that's a interesting way to go about it and side quests and everything. I've been really into those Um we started another Stardew farm, so obviously no one starts Stardew and just plays for like an hour. So, you know, my girlfriend is like, that. <laughs> it's a good idea. My girlfriend says she misses me. Um. <laughs> you know the mistake I made yesterday? I was like, one of the things that Santa got my daughter, who's eight, um, mm-hmm. for Christmas. She's about to be nine. Um, we got He got her uh, Black Friday uh, Minecraft Dungeons. Uh, the okay. Hero Edition. And so when it initially came out, her and I played it a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got frustrated because, again, early release games, kind of like what we were talking about before we were recording, games that release and then like Cyberpunk, and they get trashed and everybody leaves it alone, and then the developers go back and fix a bunch of things. And then, like, so, like, in six months to a year from now, Cyberpunk's going to be flawless and it's going to be exactly what the developers wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. it's an early release, even though that game took forever to come out, it's an early release trope where, um, you know, like everybody's going to judge cyberpunk on this first initial release. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with Minecraft Dungeons where like we played it, we liked it. We got all the way to the end, the arch illager that you fight the little little villager guy who was getting bullied, um, and -hmm. turned on the world and you're playing through it. It plays a lot like Diablo three, which is, yeah pretty awesome um but mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff that i didn't personally care for there was this whole random gachapon system where you get all your weapons and like, yeah that's... i actually heard about i heard a lot of discourse about um they're like i remember hearing you know like it works and stuff but some of the inner work and what is it the relic system mm-hmm. that essentially is like your your activated diablo-esque abilities a lot of people weren't liking a lot of that and it was really cool to see that it seems like they listened they went even oh. one of the i i uh, one of my favorite youtube reviewers skill up he gave him a really very honest uh review of it in the beginning and he actually revisited it and it was like they did do a huge amount of stuff to alleviate the problems that i and a lot of other people had with it and it's just so it's great it yesterday I did it last night. I made the money because we were going to like tear down Christmas stuff. And then I'm like, I think my wife was doing something. And I was like, well, let me play some Minecraft with, with London. And we just fired it up for the first time in months. And mm-hmm. they changed like the entire game almost. It's insane. Like it's a way different beast. Like the whole town is what makes it feel 100% different. They still have the same initial map. You still go through the same initial levels. But they added a bunch of stuff. With the Hero Edition, you get all the DLC. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that we have unlocked. So we just played like the first initial mission. And my daughter doesn't like long missions. And this yeah. mission was long as hell. Like we played it for almost an hour. Yeah. Um, which is like crazy when it, when you consider that the first game we were getting through stuff in like 20 minutes. It was re- mm-hmm. They were really short. Um, so they added a lot of content to it. But... 
the one thing that we noticed was is it plays about the same. Um, I was using my Christmas present, which was fun. Um, that's the 8-bit dough um, arcade stick that I got. Yeah, I got um, that one too. I really yeah. like that stick. I, it absolutely works great with Minecraft Dungeons. I didn't realize that I needed to switch to the D-pad to uh, level my character or change... Because you can change your character's gear on the fly. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things that I noticed, though, is that after we beat the level... Um, you can go to the town, they have, instead of gachapon stuff where you just get random stuff, they still have a random person, but there's ones that actually show and you can buy some <laughs> uh, rare items at a time. Yeah. Um, and there's only a couple, but it's still better than, like, just a random system, which was nice. Um, well, you can... It kind of sounds like it's almost like in a lot of the gacha games, I play more gacha games than I'd like to admit, a lot of them have almost like a pity system. Uh, yeah, and another complaint was you couldn't trade stuff between characters. They have a trade system now. You do have to pay a little bit of uh, emeralds to do it. Rupees, emeralds, whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Um, you do have to pay a little bit to trade between your characters, but you can do that, which is nice. So I was able to give stuff to my daughter because I remember initially she wanted fox armor. Um, mm -hmm. So we had to continue to grind when we initially played because we couldn't. We had to wait till it randomly dropped some fox armor. Mm -hmm. um, this time when we played the long one, it gave me a bunch of weapons and it gave her all the armor. And mm -hmm. when we went through the level, like, like she got like seven or eight armors and mm -hmm. I got like seven or eight weapons and I didn't get any armor and she didn't get any weapons. It was weird. It was <laughs> nice. And now you guys were able to trade and kind of, you know, be like, Oh, you want to use this? And like, all right, well give me some of that armor then. Yeah. So we balanced it out a little, which was nice. And, mm -hmm. um, and they have a level up system for, the um the relics and things so you can literally click and choose a something you don't have equipped so say you want to get your sword leveled up you just literally put it with the the blacksmith and you go play levels without it like three levels without it and it'll level up while you're mm -hmm. doing that so it's kind of nice it would be nice if you could just you know pay the back blacksmith to to forge it yeah. like a normal game but um it is better than not being able to do that i'll tell you that so but that then I looked at the time after we finished doing it, and it was like midnight. And I'm like, well, oh, wow. <laughs> looks like I'm not clean, taking up the tree today, so I got to do that today on a, on a Sunday. I, I love a game that can kind of make you lose track of time. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why I like Stardew so much. It's one of those, and you're like, oh, my God, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, it, it's, it's, it's when something can, like, almost completely disconnect you and just really immerse you and just you're really enjoying it and time flies. It's such a nice experience. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've avoided some games because of that, but then other games I get sucked into it. So it's it's really just what grabs you and what <laughs> pulls you in. And I love that stuff. It's like Stardew. I mean, I have it. I just haven't jumped in. Mm hmm. Don't stay away. It's, it's horrifying. <laughs> I, I yelled. I was. We were, me and my friends were were uh, playing it. And I was, uh, I picked, you can like romance different people and stuff like that. And I, oh, yeah. I finished, I was like, I got married and I was like, oh man, I married Abigail. Like awesome. Oh, and she gave me a kiss. Oh, this is great. And then my girlfriend's standing next to me and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm romancing the purple haired girl, babe. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like what? <laughs> Leave me alone. All right. She's just pixels. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, the other thing is is that um, for Christmas, one of the big items I got my wife was the Star Wars Ewok Village, the Lego Star Wars. Nice. 
and that thing's out of stock. So um, on New Year's Eve, we spent our New Year's Eve building Legos. Um, but the irony is, is it wasn't new, so it wasn't in the box or anything. But it's still it's super expensive, like to to find it now. Um, but it was interesting because they um, separated all by color mm-hmm. and size. Yeah, they, they, I was a really, really big Lego person growing up, and it's cool to see how they've, uh, how much they've worked towards like organization and ease of building by actually like sectioning off all the different bags by like color or where they go and stuff like that. It's been really cool to see how much Lego's um, creative process for the consumer has evolved. They've done a really good job <laughs> making so it easier. That was the issue, though, is that the instructions are done by bag one, bag two. Whereas the person that packaged it up, they just did it by color and size. Mm-hmm. So we had to lay out all the colors on the table. And then we had to, we have to hunt down every piece when we find oh, it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, literally, what we do is I'm looking at it upside down, my wife's building, and I'm sitting there as we go through step by step, and I'm pulling out all the different pieces so that way she doesn't have to hunt, and we kind of get through it. Have, have you seen that uh, that new Lego kit, the Jurassic Park, the T Rex one? Um, I haven't seen that one yet, but well, I, I, I dropped a link, link in our yeah. chat, and they yeah. actually just dropped one, and it's the it's the the gate, the Jurassic Park gate, and it's absolutely freaking massive. Um, and like the back of it has a bunch of references to different scenes in the movie. It comes with this massive, gorgeous looking T-Rex. Of course, it's $250 and out of stock everywhere. But like it's one of those things that when I saw it is that I still follow like one Lego YouTuber just to see some of the cool stuff that comes out. And I was like genuinely impressed by the scale and detail of this. And I'm just like, God, it, it feels like it's one of those ones that felt like it was for the fan like the fans of Jurassic Park a little bit less you know aimed at kids and stuff like that because it has so many references to little scenes in the movie and like um the 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 chubby guys compute the when the uh the DNA falls down the side of the um the mountain and stuff there, there's just so many little things that are like ah Legos are so cool that they've acknowledged that they have fans who are you know like 25 30 plus years old and stuff like that insane yeah i just clicked on it that looks awesome yeah and, it's three thousand plus pieces jeez yeah because i mean <laughs> the biggest biggest set that i ever got was um the wife actually got it for me was the lego nintendo the nes nice um, I, I want that i wanted that i didn't so, grab it so cool and it has the big tv and everything so i have the the lego tv on top of my sharp nes tv in the game room and there you go yeah it's it's cool but that that took forever it was really cool and it actually moves um the thing was is the the lego ewok one i wish i would only paid that for it because like to get it with all the lego figures the minifigs mm-hmm. that's like the impossible part ah okay yeah yeah um did you get any of the uh the super mario lego sets I actually don't really care for them that much. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of look, they don't look as cool as the, the like if it would have been because you know I'm spoiled and played eight bit stuff all the time and know what it should look like. Like the fact that they Legoized it and it doesn't look like the eight bit stuff, it's kind of bothers mm-hmm. me. So, well, like it's one of those things that I uh, this one show the there's a documentary series on Netflix called Toys That Made Us. Oh yeah, and it's about I love I. I really system. hope they make more it's of it. System. It's one of my. Well, it, yeah. Well, it's uh, they tried to be very toyetic 
as the term they use in that. And I feel like like it's playability, and it's just not there for me. I just can't see someone doing yeah. the like like the, the technology in it is really cool. I think it's cool to have Mario, but I just I could even when I was a kid, I couldn't see myself. You know how Nintendo likes to show you the way they envision people are going to use their stuff, and you're like, that'll never happen. Like yeah. my favorite was uh, when they were like <laughs> the Switch ad when they had these guys go into like the haunted house to play Luigi's Mansion together. I was like, that that'll never. <laughs> what are hey. you talking about? So what you're saying is that the the Lego Mario set is the most Nintendo set <laughs> that yes, Lego exactly. has ever created. <laughs> Because no one will ever play with it that way. It's just going to sit on a bunch of people our age's shelf. <laughs> well, and that's just it. It's kind of what Amiibos did, too, is they're just basically figures. And, like, to it's me, they don't have a shelf appeal for me, so I didn't even get any. I, I like I like them because I like to encourage be like, yes, if you want to give us DLC, give us physical DLC. Like, an actual thing that unlock something and like i'm not one of those i I hate the way they look when they're all in the boxes i just have a shelf with all my amiibos on it because i actually use them but like i definitely i wish they would do i wish more companies would do stuff like that but um with like here's something that you like scan or something like that yeah exactly like it's such a cool idea that i just think people they, they haven't figured it out exactly. You know, we've had a lot of attempts at it, and usually scalpers ruin everything, but um, it, it's definitely something that feels viable. Let's include a little thing. I mean, uh, can we stick an NFC chip in, like, a statue with a deluxe edition or something like that? That would be awesome. Well, and that's exactly it, is that companies could potentially do that because, I mean, being part of premium – there is a way to incorporate NFC chips like Amiibos into your products when you release stuff. I, I see it on the portal, and so like we could get creative. And NFC chips aren't that expensive. Uh, that would be really cool and really unique. Like um, we were doing that poll and everything, and people seem really about the idea of like a good quality statue figure or plushie. So that would be pretty cool. Even if it was just something like if you scan this, you get like some kind of a little message or something well, like that. Think about you what know? premium does and, and where I could where I could really be a jerk, which would be hilarious. <laughs> um, imagine the challenge patches and what if I put an NFC chip on the back Ooh, of the patch? And I so like, like that. You literally get your challenge card, you do the developer's challenge, and then it unlocks something. Ooh, okay, so what if you can't you can't access like it's like a hit a challenge level made specifically for our challenge patch and you have to scan the card to unlock the level you could scan the card too that would be cool or that would be cool well i was just thinking like there'd be something that once you get your challenge it unlocks something in the game so people do the challenge put the nfc chip in the patch yes (laughs) that's what i'm saying i literally could put it on the back of the patch and like the nfc chip would be part of the patch that's that ridiculous. Really like cool. we could do that and it would be hilarious and like it's it's <clears> not something that cannot be done. It can definitely be done cuz I've seen it on the portal on the publisher portal. Mm-hmm. And that's ridiculous. Like that would be hilarious and that would be the next level. If people who are listening want to see us uh do something crazy with some patches and get some content. It would take the right game, but like Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that that would be that would be super cool. Like <laughs> you could load some spe- like if uh, I'm just trying to think now like maybe robot name fight like if you scan it it loads like a special seed because it uses the seeds to yes. randomize 
And like that could be the challenge is a specific seed with specific power ups and stuff like that. Oh, that's such a this is a cool idea, Jeff. I'm so happy we got to this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to get to things. Now oh, I have to do is contact uh, Morningstar and see if they can uh, can link a seed to an NFC. And you got that sounds super vibe. That's so cool. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's like the only game that we have announced that we can talk about on the on the cast right now. Exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything else in series two is not announced yet, and series three and four. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about that stuff. <laughs> Holy cow, that's ridiculous. It's gonna be exciting. Well, what I've liked too is that we're doing everything old school. So, mm-hmm. like, like our slipcases are done by Paul Niemeyer. Did Mortal Kombat Tron pack and pal and super pac-man and crazy stuff um we got your buddy who um does the the canvas paintings that were we're going to show off the retro box eventually of a robot oh, named fight i think people are gonna flip when they see that art especially the little that little bit of super metroid it's got going on mm, mwah, chef's kiss well and i do all of the aesthetics when it comes to the physical design and so I took the retro box is the size of a Super Nintendo 64 box, so it could fit in a protector, but also orientate orientate to whatever way. So it's going to be a Super Metroid tribute. The box is going to have Super NES aesthetics to it, um, and it's going to purposely be done landscape to to mirror and tribute to Super Metroid, which was a request of the uh, developers. Sounds about right. And you've already seen it. It looks amazing. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I haven't even done the high quality scan yet of the uh, the art because the last the local company says, "Oh, uh, we can't guarantee you that it won't be damaged." I'm Come like, on, uh, no. <laughs> I got this custom piece of beautiful art on wood. Yeah, damage it. Sure. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah, as Frank this, mentioned, this needs to go in our office eventually. Thank you very much. Like, exactly. As Frank mentioned, though, he he painted this on wooden canvas. Like Justin is ridiculous. The artist. Yeah, just, Justin Siebel. If you guys want to look him up, his if you. If you guys look him up and just think in your head, robot name fight. If you if you understand what that game like looks like and it's aesthetic, and you take one look at his art, you're gonna know that we got something really special and really unique looking. And like just the texture to his paintings are what I love the most. He has so much like texture to it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna try to get as much that can pop out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's crazy, and we're not even going to be announcing any more games in series two or putting anything for pre-orders for a robot named fight until we get the first two games of our first series of games out so like we're literally like we were talking about before recording like we're just waiting on confirmation of all the items and then they go into printing like we're we're like at the finish line when it comes to super blood hockey and pigeon dev games collection Mm -hmm. like we're there (laughs) just getting we're pretty much yeah we're just waiting pretty much on other people right now yeah like that's like, come on. Well, that's kind of been the um the boat in all of Nintendo Switch production for as a physical creator is that like JP and I'll submit something and then we wait a week mm-hmm. and like then we go back and all right let me do this other thing which takes two more seconds essentially and it's like all right wait another week and yeah. it's like and some of it say it's like it's COVID it's other things um and you know what I mean is like they're waiting on them to release our stuff when in reality if we had a back and forth dialogue like we're doing right now we could have had the mm-hmm. stuff done in like a day 
Oh, yeah. If you could actually just sit there with someone who is, you know, has the hands on it and they could send it back and forth, it would be done quick. <laughs> we, we, we could pay, pay for like premium partnership and be like, yeah, give us someone to actually get stuff done in a reasonable amount of time. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the irony is, is that like there's been some stuff where I've talked to them. I've talked to Nintendo on the phone and the ways that they've instructed me to do things is like counterintuitive to what we would want. So like, for example, um, Super Blood Hockey, the way that we submitted it is there's actually a premium edition physical version of the game, which which is kind of what the developer wanted anyways, is they wanted their own version for the physical because we had to do a lot of changes um, yeah. to stuff in the game. But when it comes to stuff like a robot named Fight, we absolutely want the same exact icon, the same exact game, even though we're going to do some updates they're going to do mm-hmm. a patch for the digital. Um, so that way the same gamers get the same stuff across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so like our first series, like they're purposely done where they're going to have their own versions for our physical. But like that's, I don't think we want to do that going forward. Um, one of the games in series two, the developer asked for that again. So that's the only time it's going to happen is when the developer wants it that way. Okay. Um, but like having its own, but like with a robot named fight and you got, people putting in tons and tons of hours into a roguelike there's no way i want people to restart that yeah definitely i i would have put my foot down and be like we can't do that no one wants to do that again <laughs> well i feel bad for super blood hockey there's people who put in multiple seasons yeah that is very true that is very true maybe those people can teach me how to actually successfully make a shot in that game um <laughs> it's just you gotta trick them like it's yeah that's what i definitely have to as i was playing it i was like okay you kind of just gotta confuse the ai and make that good shot i saw i saw in the um when we were looking at the manual and stuff that it did touch on that and i was like oh that's exactly what i needed because when i first started playing that game i messaged jp and i'm like jp you know i'm good at video games but I'm real bad at this one. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I'm real bad at this one. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is you say the manual, all you did was see a picture. And like the whole manual is, it has lots of techniques and, mm-hmm. and um, lots of Easter eggs in it too. Well, I feel like also that, that um, it's, that's a very old school approach to it. You know, like a lot of those old games, one of the best ways to beat them is to kind of beat the game at its own game. Yeah. And I feel like that game kind of embodied that a little bit. It wasn't just like easy to make a shot. You had to, even on like the easier difficulty mode, you still got to pass it around and kind of figure out how to make the AI do what you want it to so you can make that shot. Just felt very old school. And I like that because it was what it was going for. Well, and if it was too easy, then it would be a throwaway. It really would be. And because like you, if you could just score infinitely in Super Blood Hockey, there'd be no reason to keep playing. Mm-hmm. um versus now it's like even when you're playing a season mode it's you may or may not win a a, a match a game yeah. because it's it's insane it's 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 intense and it gets my blood pumping which is which is crazy to do with a retro inspired game um yeah it's crazy you do you know what uh and, and no we don't have it signed um do you know what loren is working on next no, I don't. Oh my god. So it's called The Terror of the Hemiosaur, and it's literally like a Rampage tribute. Okay. Um, but you can breathe fire and stuff like Godzilla, and there's okay. mecha, there's a mecha Hemiosaur too, so you can be a robot oh. one. And so. it's like like the whole building's like topple over and f- get on fire, and it, it, it has the retro aesthetic just like Super Blood Hockey. 
um, and it looks ridiculous. Like it looks so cool. Um, I always loved Rampage, so that's right up my alley. Of course, we would love to um, to keep moving forward because Loren is awesome, dude. But um, you know, if I don't know how long it's going to take him to to develop and finish that up, so who knows? Even even the switch will be around when he finishes it up. Loren's a one man team, right? One man team. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like Pigeon Dev uh, games. She's Anna. She's also a, a one one person team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the irony was is, and this is kind of with both games, is that neither developer really um, like does the Switch versions. Yeah. So so like sometimes you and Digirati is Super Blood Hockey, and sometimes used with Pigeon Dev, they kind of do the Switch porting. Yeah. So I don't know if they're just coordinating and like Loren's doing all the coding or Anna's doing all the coding, but um, like there's been a lot of back and forth when there was going through lot check and everything, which is mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Yeah, it's been really cool to um, have a way to see in on the interior of what it actually takes to get a physical game made and actually get that like ESRB rating and stuff like that. It's one of those things that as like, you know, just a normal gamer not being involved in like production and stuff, you're always kind of like, oh, I wonder how that goes down. And it's been really interesting to key into the whole process and see the the roadblocks we run into, what we have to do to get around it and stuff like that. It's been a really cool experience just to see that process from like working with Nintendo and what they actually want and stuff like that. <laughs> That's insane too. Cause it changes on a daily <laughs> basis. <clears throat> and the irony is too, is some, even some companies don't even know how Nintendo works properly. And they're like, Oh, well why, how are you able to get such a bloody cover on Super Blood Hockey? I'm like, they approved it. <laughs> The They're person. like, oh, well, you must be cutting corners or something. There's no way they'd approve it. I'm like, you know, we had to change our logo for Premium Edition because they didn't approve the lo- the um, little switch icon that Erica, our artist, she actually made, but they didn't allow it because it looked too close to the switch logo. Yeah. Um. So, so basically, um, they didn't want us putting that on officially licensed Nintendo stuff. I I can still put it on Switch Collector Book because it's. Mm-hmm. Still ours, but yeah, that's ours completely, and it's not like yeah. But it was just funny. It's like yeah, we 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 changed our logo. Like Nintendo's, we're back and forth with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of love hate, you know. <laughs> well, and running a publishing company for ten years for on the print side, like there's stuff with print like that we have we can do, and as long as N- Nintendo is fine with the content, which they said we can send them the full content afterward. We're good. So it's pretty funny. They just want to make sure that we're not like doing anything, saying anything that's completely off kilter. Yeah, exactly. Anything completely nuts. Be like, welcome to super blood hockey where we hate Nintendo. (laughs) Whoa, what? Well, the irony was, is that in the manuals, we're not allowed to use digital versions or representations of the joy cons. That was the weirdest one. Huh? That is extremely strange. Yeah, so we had, like, drawn versions of the Joy-Cons inside the Pigeon Dev games collection. It looked really cool, and we had to um, modify them to be actual pictures of the Joy-Cons when we did the call-out for what the buttons do. Oh, was wow. The Ooh. irony was, is in Super Blood Hockey, it's also there, but it's from inside the game. So it's a mm-hmm. screenshot that we used. And so when they, you know, told us, oh, you can't use this, we're like, it's a screenshot from the game. They're like, oh, okay, you're approved. 
That is that's that's so weird. Like, well, it, it, you think if they were going to do that, they'd maybe be like, if you need to use like this one image that we have of the Joy Cons that we approve, here it is. But like, that's one of those things that you're like, so we just have to kind of figure out exactly the way that you want us to do that because you have to do that. You have to give people a visual representation of the controller they're on and stuff like that. That's, that's, well, that's so weird to me. It shows me that the world right now and in all the other publishing companies aren't doing manuals like there's manuals okay. out there they're all art books man like i've gotten all the switch games recently i opened them up just because now we're in the thick of it and i'm looking i'm like oh this is literally just the art in the game like every mm-hmm. single one that's coming in from all the different companies is like there's very very rarely do you see any company um, taking the time and the care to actually do a legitimate strategy guide. So I don't see anywhere where it's calling out any any buttons in yeah. most of the games. There's there's a couple out there. So that means Nintendo and in you know in theory all of their employees that are doing the QAQC aren't used to seeing a manual anymore. Yeah. Like I, I inside I inside I had a precautions in Super Blood Hockey. They absolutely said no, you can't have a precautions like we did in the NES manuals. I mm-hmm. said don't lick the cartridge, um, <laughs> and that didn't quite uh, go over well. Yeah, that would be <laughs> funny though. I would have liked that. Be like, oh yes, here's your things to not do with this copy of the game. Don't lick it. Don't, don't. pour it under submerging underwater. I, yeah, I, it was like it was. I used exactly what they used in the NES manuals. Mm-hmm. Um, same font and everything, and then I just added, "Don't look the cartridge," and they're like, "Yeah, you have to take out the precautions." No, uh, yeah. It's like okay, so that's not in there. So that being said, though, like we absolutely went back and forth with Nintendo, mm-hmm. with everything. Yeah, you gotta do get get it exactly the way the big N wants it. Well, and it's also like we're not going at least at this part of the business, we're not going to retail. Um, we're keeping everything small. We're going to just our website. And yeah. so anything that's the quote unquote going to go to retail, you have to go through their arduous process. So that means everything in the essentially the switch case. Um, anything mm-hmm. that's outside of that with all our different items just has to be approved by them. And they don't okay. they're not as hardcore about it. So mm-hmm. um, it's just they'll get, they'll give you the re- rules and regulations on you have to have the switch logo in the top left corner. But if it's okay. not going to retail, it doesn't necessarily have to have that because it's not going to be sitting on a shelf. On a shelf of. somewhere with the rest of the product. Okay, that's interesting. That yeah. definitely makes sense from a marketing perspective. I could see why they would want that. Exactly. So if it's going to Best Buy, it has to have the Switch logo in the top mm-hmm. left corner. Um, yeah. Some companies, when they do that to keep their artistic integrity, they'll put like a little plastic slipcase over it that has the Switch logo on it, and then you pull that off, and then it has mm-hmm. the, the box how they want it. Um, okay. I've seen that with, with different companies, but in reality, then all the collectors just leave it in that case on their shelf. So it's interesting and i'm not saying that we won't take our stuff to retail later because we may um it really all depends with covid and everything they're not really open to new companies which is pretty funny um Mm -hmm. so we haven't even really pursued it beyond and and they don't they don't um benefit any kind of small developer at all well trust me i was gonna check and see if if uh with my bosses over at m&m if they wanted a few copies of it for the store so that'll be our retail (laughs) and and that's cool that's right awesome but it's like i'm talking you know your 
Walmart, Target, Best Buy. Yeah, your big ones, exactly. Yeah. Actual big box retail and stuff like that, where the yeah. average person will see it, not retro game store in Pinellas County, Florida. And that's probably the hardest part is just getting people to know that hey, the games are coming out. I mean, I even see big YouTube channels and they're not even talking. Like they they mentioned Awesome P or Super Black, and they don't even mention that it's uh, getting a physical. And I'm like, they don't even know, and they may not even know. And yeah, it's. it's you know, we got to get out of the, like, you're doing the marketing on social media. That's, like, all JP wants to do. And I'm like, well, what about our uh, mailing list, JP? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we could be shooting out weekly updates on all our stuff to everybody. Good old, good old MailChimp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, so that's a little premium talk. But let's, uh, let's talk about Switch stuff, man. Let's talk about let's Switch Let's do it. So, I mentioned before we recorded, I actually got in more than one game this week, which is insane. Yeah. So, so, so I got some weird ones. Only one that I remembered ordering was um, <laughs> Gunlord X, which I finally got. Okay. Um, so that's NG Dev Team. They um, originally released this game on the Neo Geo, then ported it to the Dreamcast, and then did their Switch release. They re- released it on their website, though, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I pre-ordered it, like, minute one. Yeah. And apparently, because of COVID, they couldn't ship uh, to the U.S. for a while because whoever they're using for their partner. Well, they shipped out everything internationally, except for the U.S. And so I got a second printing, mm-hmm. which is annoying because apparently on yeah. the, the, the limited box, it was like on the box. And now I got a sticker on mine, which was on the uh. second printing. And I'm like, uh. so I will promise you that we will not do that shit. Like if you pre-order it. And we're doing something special in the first one. We're going to set that shit aside because, like, obviously you took the time to support. Yeah, um, you, you got to recognize those people who are supporting you from, from day one at drop. You know, those are, those people are some of the most important people for you, you know, because those are the people well, who truly care. And this is the same company that I um, pre-ordered Krautbuster on the Neo Geo. Uh, my daughter was one month old. She's about to be nine. I just yeah. got it. I just got it. Um, so that game took forever to develop. It was in development when I pre-ordered it, um, yeah. but it was expensive. But um, that being said, it's the same company that does that, so they kind of aren't thinking with a collector mindset. They just want to make sure their games are playable. Yeah, um, but- yeah, and they stopped doing Dreamcast because it gets pirated too much. So yeah, you could just throw that on any old disc. That was I always had working in the retro store. Um, the the top tier Dreamcast stuff, the like the fighting games and the the uh, I always say Dreamcast sports and ports, um, but the the fighting game ports of the greats, those are the only ones that really hold a big big value because all the common stuff people just it's so easy to burn, so it just it, so many people unless you're a collector. Yeah. Those common ones are just like, yeah, most people are just making burn CDs of all the Dreamcast games and playing them. And that even stretches into the people developing games nowadays for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they just stick with the AES for their last two releases. I'm hoping that uh, Crowdbluster does see a Switch port in the future. That'd be awesome. And let's hope that they can ship to the U.S. So if you pre-order it at the beginning. That's my only um, qualm with it is that they did it like that. And I'm like, oh, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and that's not cool. Um, but in the end, I still got my game. Um, I haven't played it yet because I've been stuck in Immortals that were playing for the Playcast and mm-hmm. all the extra stuff. I did get two um, RPGs, though. Ooh. Um. 
So I got Cthulhu Saves Christmas. Okay. <laughs> Cthulhu. Um, oh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember a million years ago, because I'm sure it's got to be the same guy who did the old Cthulhu RPG with Breath of... It was yep. Cthulhu and Breath of Death. Those games Breath were so Death. fun. Yeah, Breath it was all... Um, I remember they're all 360 games. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah that, that was Sarah. Mm-hmm. That, that's cool to see that he was able to make another one. Um, the Cthulhu, especially as someone who's played RPGs their whole life, I love fun takes on the genre and deconstructions. of. I, I like deconstructions in pretty much any media of like a genre, and that game was very much a deconstruction of JRPG tropes and stuff like that. It was lighthearted fun with a fun basic little RPG system built into it. Exactly, and I mean, this was like one of the, I would say, from a uh, LRG perspective, like one of the fastest pre-order to shipped games that I've seen from them. This is their 88th release, I think, which is insane. And But like, I literally just pre-ordered that when the PS5 was coming out. I was like, that's their first PS5 release, and it's already shipped, which that's is awesome. Cool. That's super awesome to see it pop out. I mean, like, I know I'm, some of that stuff with the LRG, I'm still waiting. Eventually, I'm going to get my copy of Carrie and uh from srg but (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it's just you you almost forget about them sometimes like you say you're like so i'm sure you and jp all the time you're like when did i order this i mean okay that was all these games actually yeah i was like oh because what came with um cthulhu was grandia uh grandia collection so that's i missed out on grandia collection and i hate myself for it but that that's a classic like such good and it's a series that I never played. As I had them, never played them because, like, again, like getting sucked into other games and never jumped onto it. Well, mm. now I have an opportunity on the Switch to play. And um, my collecting, like, I've collected everything, and I've completely focused a hundred percent on Neo on um, Neo Geo and mm. now um, on the Switch only because yeah. everything's on Switch, all generations. Everything. So, That's one of the things I love the most about it. Like, yeah. I. I have stuff. The, the re, I think the reason I slept on Grandia initially is because I own both of those games. But like, of course, it comes out, and then I'm like, oh yeah, they did like little improvements. They fixed the translation and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, oh, dang it, now I want it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, ironically, I said two RPGs. Actually, I have a third RPG that came in the mail. Um, and so this one is a little different. It's called uh, Taiko Natatsujin Rhythmic Adventure Pack. Um, so it's that, it's the, uh, drum game. Okay. But there's RPGs. Really? It's an RPG, and it's a story mode, and you take control of Don Chan and set the great adventure to save the world. So essentially, you do battles in a rhythmic drumming version. That's actually really cool. I, 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 uh... I love when people just kind of make something an RPG. It's always interesting to see how they go about taking, like, um series norms and translating again uh, coming back to uh yakuza you know yeah. like i love i love when people genre shift to an rpg because it's just interesting to see it, it, it keeps the the spirit and stuff of the game while giving you a whole new different kind of gameplay and then generally playing with um the general ideas and expectations of a jrpg in this new environment and that's that's what that is that's really cool like rhythm rpg games i've hit <laughs> Ring fit. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the irony is is that I don't have the drum for the Switch because they sell the drum. Yeah. Um, I haven't bought it because it was always too expensive. Well, I have it now, but you don't... The game. But you don't need the drum to play it. It actually says you can play with the motion controls using the Joy-Cons. 
you can use touch controls on the screen or you can just press buttons. So, so you can do all three of those. And I'm assuming that the drum works as well. Um, the story mode, it says only supports the button controls though. So there's like a Tyco Mm -hmm. mode where you play like the, the rhythm game. It says that the story mode only supports the button controls, which would be interesting to see if that the drum works with it. Cause these are both a, um, port of a 3DS game of 3DS games that are on the switch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if the if the drum controller doesn't work with this for in story mode. I probably w- will hold off to buy it because there's other Taiko no Tatsujin. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but there's there's other there's actually the rhythm games too for the Switch. So yeah. if I buy the drums, I want it to be able to work with the RPG mode too. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that's something that they if they didn't, it's kind of like ah oh, missed opportunity. Come on, that's the way it's supposed to be played. Yeah, and. So, interesting. I've always liked that game, and I remember um, before I moved from Texas, um, one of my neighbors, he's a big gamer too, and he actually bought the drum set, and he, we were playing it, and it's so fun. Um, I, I love, just never bought it. I love when you go to a convention, and you go to a game room, and they have that. It's one of my favorite ones. Anytime I see it, I'm like, oh, yes! Exactly, and the fact that they have it on the Switch. Like, Switch has everything, I swear. It um, does, it does. That's one of the biggest things that I love about it is that, and even beyond the ga- like the, the actual releases and stuff, being able to go back into that whole Nintendo library with the Nintendo and Super Nintendo for the Nintendo Online thing mm-hmm. is great. There's really something on the Switch to play no matter what mood, situation, no matter how much time you have. Like, there's something that's perfect for your needs and wants on Switch. And I think that's one of the greatest strengths of the system. Well, and what I like, too, is that, like, it's not everything because that would be too much. Like, there's a little thing in in gaming that I like to call a paralysis of choice um, where if I have everything for the Nintendo, like I do with my NES and in Power Pack or an EverDrive where I can play every single Nintendo game, I then end up playing nothing because there's too much to choose from. I can choose anything. And there's too much unknown out there versus with the NES when it has it on the Switch like there you have certain titles and you can see the box art it's like having your game in your collection almost within their um their online mode which is Mm -hmm. a cool way to do it again they're still missing a lot of key titles because of course they will because no matter what frank's gonna have a game that he loved as a kid or loved playing in college with friends or something and can't play it right now because it's not on the switch Mm -hmm. um that being said there's stuff like I, even yesterday I was playing um, in between my muscle workouts. Um, I was playing versus Excite Bike. Mm-hmm. I had to wait for my Joy Cons to charge before I played Ring Fit. And um, versus Excite Bike's different than NES Excite Bike. Like it actually yeah. has a whole qualifications mode. It has music. It has um, a whole like story mode essentially on it. Like it's it's an awesome game, and we never got to play it in the U.S. Yet it's on the NES on yeah. It's like I love it when they when they tweak a little bit. That's one of the reasons why I like playing the uh, that Mario like Battle Royale, like Mario thirty five or whatever, mm-hmm. is because they tweaked the original Mario and added some of the later Mario ways things worked and stuff like that. And even though it was visually still just Mario um, to someone who's played that series and that game in specific a lot, you immediately can feel the differences and the little improvements and bringing up that feel to more modern uh standards well and it'll be a a sad time when they just turn it off here in a couple months 
in yeah, March. Yeah, it's such a cool little thing. Uh, it was, uh, when you were talking about choice paralysis, I was laughing. Uh, one of my, my girlfriend's favorite things is when she finds me wandering my house in between my two collection rooms and just looking at stuff. <laughs> so I remember the other day she posted, she's like, please, my boyfriend is just walking in between his game collections, taking things off the shelf, shaking his head and putting them back on. Someone help him. He needs help. <laughs> well, and I have it going on with the Switch collection itself because I have so many games. Like, I got in five games this week, which is insane. Like, I've usually I, I get in, like, a game or two a month. And, and, like, having all these, but I'm playing Immortals Phoenix Rising. So, like, I'm, that's what I'm playing and I got all five of these games, undoubtedly, at least some of these, especially the RPGs, are going to go on the shelf. Yeah. And I may never get to them. And it's insane. And it's like, no, I need to. This is why I'm focusing on the Switch, because it's so cool with the portability. Plus, I have the Switch kiosk, so I literally play it on a kiosk when I'm yeah. playing it at home. It's like, I think this this might be my anchor point as a, um old man collector now. Where, yeah. like, I just anchor over to the Switch, even when they release. Um, there is something we need to talk about after this. Um, I do have one last game, but we can talk about the last game if we get back to it. It's a, it's a shoot 'em up anyways. Um, oh, I love them. Oh, yeah. But, um, so the idea is that Nintendo isn't going to necessarily do another generation, another platform. Mm-hmm. It's the, the rumor is that the Switch Pro, Switch 2, Switch 2.0, whatever they call it, yeah. is going to be rolled out like the iPhone or the Android, where because this thing has a... And because technology now is quote-unquote upgradable, mm-hmm. that essentially we're going to have the next upgrade of the Switch. Like, they rolled out the Red Box Switch, which is what I call the second version of the switch yeah they, the one with the better battery and, and the better slightly better screen exactly and so what they'll do is they'll just upgrade the innards roll it out just let everybody know hey this is you know the newest model um mm. now, but it's still going to be the same tech the same cartridges that's kind of the rumor that's going around is that we're going to continually get incremental upgrades so it can keep up with cloud gaming and mm. make everything online work accordingly uh, yeah, well, because I, when you saw I, Control, I, Control works amazing and actually plays better than previous generation. Well, now, now more and more people are looking at gaming as a platform rather than a bunch of individual machines and stuff like that. Yes. And I think that that idea of them just kind of doing the almost phone-esque of uh, smaller upgrades over time and stuff like that speaks to that. You know, um, we're reaching more and more where especially with the growing of uh, stuff like Games Pass and cloud gaming and stuff like that. I think that's going to be something that's going to become even more and more common as we go on. I mean, we even saw it with last gen. You know, there's three major upgrades or major different versions of the systems, uh, the PlayStation and Xbox. And I think with the PS5, Xbox Series stuff, they're doing even more. There's a reason it's called the Xbox Series Mm-hmm. And that is because they're going to keep adding more and more series. They didn't call it that so they could do two of them, you know. They're going to continue to do that. And I think we're going to continue to see the equivalent of, like, the um, the Xbox One X or the PS4 Pro. I think we're definitely going to be seeing that equivalent in uh, this generation. So, I mean, I, I our, our generations are lasting longer than ever. 
360, PS3. I think generations that are gone. Yeah, I really. Yeah. I, I think that they are. And like you just mentioned with Xbox Series, um, you noticed with PS5 and Xbox Series that neither are that giant of a jump. Like the loading times, all the processing speed, everything else is what's increased it's, where it's, like you load your stuff instantaneously now. Under the hood stuff, lighting, yeah. under the hood stuff, that seems to be the major improvements with this quote-unquote console generation. So, That's so why some people are disappointed it, almost. Like I'm this, like, ah! The Switch, though, was like an incremental generational update. Because, I mean, I did my Hidden Gaming Gems generation by generation book. And the Switch technically would be the start of the ninth generation. But it's not because the ninth generation should be starting with PS5 and Xbox Series X. And that's literally three, four years after the Switch. Now people are saying, oh, Switch is Series or Generation 8. It's like, no, it's not. It's the next generation. It's like an 8.5, and it falls in line with the PS4 Pro and Xbox um, One X and Xbox One S. It kind of falls in line with those, like the 4K 4K systems. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it does and does not. And I think with this last generation, we see, because like with Nintendo's cartridge medium, that essentially can be upgraded indefinitely. Because tech, as we've seen over the last 20, 30 years, just keeps getting smaller. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. as long as the parts stay, like the parts that they make the chips with, stay um, in stock, like they can literally make these cartridges, these cartridge sizes are tiny, they can make this forever indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Nintendo's always kind of operated a little bit, uh, at least for the past like couple generations, they've almost operated a little bit independently. Once the Wii U dropped in and it was in that weird little middle-of-the-line place, and the Wii was, like, a little bit underpowered compared to some of the people it was competing with. They almost... Nintendo powers itself through, like, innovation and community versus powering itself through technical achievements. So they've always been kind of independent of the generations past, like, their initial big systems and stuff. Once once the gaming sphere started to expand and giving us this different these different options and these different... Um, sets of interests and stuff nintendo really ran with that and i definitely think that like you said nintendo is the people who are blurring the line between console generations more than anyone because there's that discourse you're like where is the switch what does it belong to you know like and where is it going to sit in the future as tech progresses and I, i do agree i think that nintendo sees the success of the way phones upgrade and stuff like that. And the port, and it's one of the reasons because that they pull that off is because it's something portable, something that you deal with constantly over the day. One of my favorite things about the switch is because I can find little 15, 30 minute times to play more often than anything else because it's portable. Because if my girlfriend wants to watch Grey's anatomy and cry for a little bit, I can just pull the switch off and play it. Think about the way that the current programming, um, different constructs work so like the unities and everything where where the programmers build um we've seen it work perfectly with uh doom and doom eternal um Mm -hmm. where they when they program if it's utilized by an underpowered pc or console in the switch's case um you just it just applies the limitation it scales it back a little bit so it doesn't look as good but 
it's the same game. It's the same game experience. You just get it gets a lower resolution or the frame rate drops a little bit just to keep up with the speed of the game to allow the gameplay to maintain. And Doom and Doom Eternal are a perfect example because there's no way in hell I thought that would ever be on the Switch. Yeah, the um the, the porting jobs people are doing are, are technological achievements on the well, Switch. Seriously. And, and so that actually lends itself to the feasibility of going toward an iPhone-esque upgrade system with the Nintendo Switch because if they stay with that, then it just scales it up and then the previous games released on the Switch, the Dooms, the Doom Eternals, could essentially work a little better with an upgraded uh, HD version or whatever on the Switch. Like, they could re-optimize the patches of the game. And a lot of those games use things like the variable resolution that changes, yep. like, mid-game and stuff to achieve what it does. And all they would really have to do, say, if they, the Switch 2 came out and we wanted to play Doom Eternal on it, all they would really have to do would be to adjust some of those uh, things they put in line to make it work within the technological limitations of the Switch. It feels like to basically make it run better they wouldn't have to do quite as much as like completely reporting it and stuff they could maybe even release a patch to unlock that well exactly and like so it does seem to lead a lead and lend credence to an upgraded switch and as a physical publisher on nintendo switch i want to see this medium stay so i can continue to release games on it which would be awesome um that's me being the um you know wanting it to stay of course um but it it lends a lot of credence to the system and the palatability because you'd have this whole back catalog that is gigantic now physically Mm -hmm. it's gigantic digitally it's like 10 times the size of the physical Mm -hmm. like we have like 10,000 plus games now on the switch like there's a reason why switch collector volume 2 is taking me forever is like i have double the amount of titles to to write about yeah and you, you're the only one, Frank, that's been writing. Just saying. <laughs> I, I see know. it. I see it. I, I try. I wrote I, about I Gal just, Gun 2 yesterday. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I know. I need to have been, uh, after I do this, I need to finish actually writing blurbs for my top 10. And then I was going to hopefully look at the spreadsheet tomorrow and get a few more things under my belt to write for that. Because I'm like, oh, I know. I don't want to put that all on you. It's so much. I see that spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, and the thing is, is that um, and I posted an update on, on Kickstarter and somebody's like, how was the book done? I'm like, no, the book's not done. I'm finishing it up. Like, There's a difference when I did my update to the Kickstarter backers, finishing it up. The main mm-hmm. book. You still have to add all the um, the contributor sections, of course. Uh, I'm going to end up taking some of the Mega Man titles from Barry because if he's not writing them, I will. <laughs> oh, procrastination, Barry. He'll be. <laughs> that'll probably light a fire under his butt. You should post that in the uh, the book because we have a group of of everybody that's helping write for it. Um, and then the other person's Alan from the JP site, and I haven't seen him write anything yet. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, but the thing is, is that if it wasn't for premium, the book would already be done. But like, I literally got the entire 200 page book for the premium guide done this last week. That would have been the time that I would write. And in reality, I need to write like five to 10 reviews a day in order to get that sucker done in like a month. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been able to get like a couple, one or two. Yeah, so it's just it's good. It's taken a little bit. There's a long like I think on the Kickstarter we put the end of 2021 to release it. It's not going to take that long. Like we're yeah. we're planning on getting that sucker done by the spring. 
Um, it also allows me to source a new wooden book cover Love creator. Um, because the the first wooden book cover, if you don't know, Frank, isn't out yet. Mm-hmm. Volume one. It's over Yeah, I remember a year. you talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the guy keeps on getting back to me. Like he got back to me over the holidays and said, oh, it's it's done now. It's going to ship to you. And I'm like, okay, but it's been over a year. Like, shipping that. <laughs> so I can... Come on. <sighs> I have things to fulfill here. Well, what you don't realize, though, is that if he didn't stain them, because he did promise to stain them, but if he didn't stain them, I have to stain them all myself in a hand ink, which takes about eight hours apiece for me. And Ooh. I have 30 covers, 30 times. Yeah, There's that's a many? lot. 240 hours. Um, yeah, that's a lot of time. Um, so... That is an issue, and I, you know, had that all lined up before Premium Edition games because, you know, again, over a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so interesting that it, um, if it shows up like now with how much is on my plate, it will take me forever. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, it'll all get out. The volume two will get out. We'll get it written. Um, I've been enjoying playing and, and writing about all the games for, for volume two. Um, <laughs> It's also like the way that that we're writing, we're doing like blippets because I'm not going to holistically play every single game because I want to also use this book to see what I want to play next and what I want to collect next. Yeah. So so it's more like, all right, we're doing general synopsis and summaries of every game. Um, Some of the ones that get a longer write-up are like the epic games on every on every volume those ones obviously some of us have played through fruition and you'll you'll be able to tell but some of the smaller ones like we're writing two three paragraphs on these games Mm -hmm. we're not trying to dig deep like just figure out what it is tell everybody what it is and then we all make the decision if we want to support play it maybe premium edition games does a a physical that's how we found robot named fight is that was in volume two it's no longer in volume two in the digital only section (laughs) 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 it'll be in volume seven or whatever the hell it is yeah right (laughs) i mean year two is two volumes so Mm -hmm. Um, yeah good yeah i mean just like you're saying the the sheer number of releases is just insane and like the switch ignited something in a lot of people and like the people who haven't collected in years a lot of people who haven't played video games in years the switch really ignited something inside of people and that's really special yeah and i think jp thought i was kidding when i said i'm gonna disappear in a hole to finish up volume two like i am it's gonna i'm gonna be disappeared and gone because i gotta get we're going to get it done. And then it would be the same thing with volume three in the future is like, I'll just disappear in a hole and, you know, get it done. Cause like I already have volume three researched. I already have volume four, five, six researched. I just mm-hmm. gotta take the time to lay it all out. Like, I mean, it takes hundreds of hours just to lay it out. And I do all of that and have all that ready before we launched. It's just the yeah. right, writing the reviews now is the last piece of the puzzle. It's that's mm-hmm. the easiest piece, honestly. Um, writing isn't easy. It's the easiest piece in the production of the books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, got to edit it all, which is always fun. Always fun. You get to <laughs> deal with Frank's personal writing style. Well, and I just go through <laughs> it, and it's fine. Personable's fine as long as it's written nice. Yeah. Because your name and will you be on I mean? your review, so you're, you're going to be held accountable, Frank. <laughs> you know it. You know I put my personality into everything I do. <laughs> yeah. And... In all honesty, I just go through and I'll just make sure it all has a, a style to it mm-hmm. like a, a uh, throughout the whole book, and then it, it's fine. I don't really change much. Oh, yeah. It'll be it'll be a great time anyways. And either way, if we're not having fun, we're, we're not having... We're not going to continue to do it forever, and yeah. I am because it's the best hobby ever. 
And so, like, when people are like, oh, I didn't like the uh, the reviews, I'm like, well, I had fun writing them. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, I had fun playing them and writing them. So, I mean, yeah. hey. And you can, uh, you can it, do the next top volume, buddy. <laughs> I did uh, I did Hagen's Alley books, my, my book company, because I wanted to. Like, because I'm having fun. Like, mm-hmm. like, those that are highly critical and all that, because you'll see it in any time you create anything. People are like, oh, this. Like, the first thing is, and this is the ongoing bet, who's the first person to be critical of premium with the review of our physical and go, well, that's not really that premium. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, when I think of premium, I want gold, literal gold in my pop, my cap, my package. Well, I, I don't, I don't think having this, or I wanted this, and I'll be like, okay, cool. I mean, the thing is, is that no matter what, if you're talking about something that's subjective in nature, somebody's going to be critical of something, because that's just oh, how, how the world is. Um, mm-hmm. The classic is, though, with the internet, is people be like, oh, this sucks, and be like, well, how does it suck? It just sucks. And then they won't expect me to come back and ask them how. And oh, yeah. it was one of my, I think it was my second cover that I did, which was my Video Game Culture Chronicles series. I, I'm doing every year in video games and, and doing highlights, like giant yeah. artistic highlights. And they were really small book series. It was it was fun to do. I did 90 and 91. When I did 90, mm-hmm. somebody goes, oh, this cover sucks. And I'm like, well, why? And we're like, oh, and... They, I didn't know that you were the author. <laughs> and so, so, but when I dug in deep, I found out it was because the text was hard to read on the art cover. So then when I highlighted it all with an outline, he's like, oh, this looks amazing now. I'm like, oh. So the cover doesn't suck. It's just could be done a little bit better with readability. It's, it's a difference. It would be nice if people would just be constructive instead of criticize. Yeah, constructive versus destructive. Yes, you, you, you got to pull it out of them sometimes, you know. Yeah. So I, I working on social media a lot and stuff like that. That's you gotta because people are very quick to just use whatever small platform they have to decry something. But then when you're like, "But why?" you actually get them to think, and then you might actually get a good answer, or you might just get a bunch of crap. But you know, well, and the thing is, is that you know it. It'll be fun teaching JP that because he's he's Mr. Rainbows and Puppy Dogs, and it'll be JP's my sweet summer child. He's so pure and wholesome. So listeners, don't hurt JP's feelings. Just Please tweet don't. at him. Tweet yeah, at him. just <laughs> <laughs> at JP Sweet. No, <laughs> exactly. Like no, it'd just be interesting because like. The stuff we're doing, like, I will put my name on it all day because it's amazing. I stand behind it. It's great. Is anything ever going to be quote-unquote perfect or ultimate? No, because we don't have infinite funds. Yeah, exactly. If we had had infinite funds or we wanted – because, like, we still have to budget things so we can physically do it. And Mm. otherwise, we would be like the other companies who did everything they wanted and then they're waiting forever to order it until they completely sell out because it costs so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they're just done. Yeah, and that was like physicality that recently couldn't make it happen. And because they're programming games on the side, it would be like me doing my books on the side and then be like, all right, well, we're not going to go forward with these games, give everybody back their money because we were trying to go a little too, too hard, a little too far. Um, We're being unrealistic. And I don't know. I mean, I knew going into this that. Uh, with the way the games market is, um, gamers are kind of on the fence with this whole limited thing, which we're not really trying to be limited. We're, we're limited in nature just because that's all we can print um, right now with support. I knew going into it that, you know, we're not going to sell out immediately because no company does yeah, that. That's absolutely. Fine. 
And here's the thing. If we start selling out within seconds of going up for pre-order, like we're not just going to do 5,000 copies. We'll do no, we'll extra because we want people to get it. We will cut off at, at a certain amount of time. Um, just be reasonable because we got to order it. But um, we're not limited for the sake of being limited. We're limited because that's where the market is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of scaled back. We're not, we're not looking to... Um, I don't know. We're not looking to be the next limited run games or something. Like we're looking yeah. to be us. We're going to do our own thing. I mean, all of our stuff is modern retro. I mean, that's kind of one of our taglines is modern retro done right. That's like mm-hmm. going to be one of our new taglines. And it's because we're like Super Blood Hockey and Pigeon Dev. They're both modern retro style games. Yeah. Um, World by Name Fight. Same deal. Modern retro. It's almost all the games that we have actually every game that we have pretty much say unnamed things that we can't talk about modern retro yep and i'm not saying that we won't in the future do something that's you know brand new and like state-of-the-art type deal um with 3d and all that like modern style game but the way that i like to play the way that jp likes to play the way the rest of the team likes to play it's a lot of a lot of retro style aesthetics i mean you mentioned shoot 'em ups and rpgs that's all retro style awesomeness oh like, yeah mm-hmm. beat em like, ups heck yeah all day and we're going to be delving down every single nostalgic hole um jp's trying to sell me on graphic novels and i'm like uh uh i can't uh, i mean uh yeah, yeah I, I can do graphic novel if there's something good wrapped around it um i remember one game i reviewed for jp was called mary skelter 2 mm-hmm. um as someone who loves a bunch of japanese stuff i kind of hate it when it feels way too pandering and an excuse just to put scantily clad girls in it but like that game i went into that game ready to be really mean to it but it ended up completely winning me over because it had one of the most solid first-person dungeon-crawling RPG experiences I've had in the last decade, and Same. I fell in love with it. I can do that because it was. It was a graphic novel wrapped around a first-person dungeon-crawling RPG, and I ended up loving it. But just and so the, many of them... These didn't have any... Like, these are just graphic novels. And yeah. I told them, I was like, there's going to be certain genres that I'm just not going to enjoy. And for me... Like, we're doing a series, our release isn't series, so do you want to spend a quarter to a half of a year just talking about a graphic novel that I'm not necessarily passionate about? It would have to be something that slice of life that actually has to do with us or something, something ridiculous, some kind of, like, like Ready Player One or something that's, Mm -hmm. like, not your typical thing. It, (laughs) It would have to be... It would have to be something cool. I mean, I'm not a big fan of of strategy and tactical games either. So it would have to be a game changing something in the genre to make me passionate enough to not only pour the money into it, but it's also the time and the resources. Especially if we're doing a premium guide, that's like thousands of hours. Yeah, well, you gotta you're gonna put out a better product if you have a personal you know stake in it, if you love it, if you enjoy it, and stuff like that. You're always gonna put out something better than if it's you're just putting out a game to fill in a hole like oh well, we haven't released a graphic novel let's do that You're like oh well no I, I would have a hard time making posts for three months about a graphic novel you know i'd be sitting there like <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel like do exactly. you like anime girls me like anime girls pre-order today like <laughs> <laughs> well and that's sponsored exactly by genshin it. impact <laughs> <laughs> well genshin impact is a great game though um it is but that's the thing is is that um our main piece is that both jp and i have to both 
be completely over over the heels for it, head over heels for it. We have to both be in love with the game to be able to release it. That's our our main determinant determination if we're going to sign something. We both have to be over the top for it. And like there might be a like if we could ever sign like a, a certain game. Like that's your your one, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it like for me it's like epic stuff that we would never get. Um, but that being said, like there's games that we've I've been super interested in and we're definitely not signing it because JP's like eh, I don't really like it. Yeah, and I'm mm-hmm. like okay that sucks because okay. I love the game, but okay. <laughs> like there's yeah it's a, it goes both ways. You there's know? so many games out there too though that like there's been some games that we had contracts almost done for. And they end up going with another company because they gave them more money or did something yeah. else. And I'm like, JP, who cares? Like, that's cool. There's plenty there's of games There's more fish there. in the sea. There's way more. There's there's, uh, there's new games coming out every day. You know you know how the internet works in these huge swathing mm-hmm. uh, games that become like the in thing and stuff. The next Fall Guys or the next Among Us could already be out. You know, Among Us was a game that came out, what, two or three years ago? Mm-hmm. And only now, just because we didn't get one that we think is going to be good, we could find something better easily. Well, and my thing is, is number one, we couldn't afford to to pay them more because we're starting company, and it's good. Like they should go with the company to earn more money. That's great. I have no ill will toward anybody. Um, yeah. And I think it's great. And then the other companies sign the game. That's great too because they get to to succeed. And we already have multiple series full like we're we're filling up series three already um and we haven't even announced all the games in series two Mm -hmm. um and we are initially we're going to do like a release a quarter um our releases are going to take longer than a quarter per game so we're doing ours in series so series one is super black and pigeon death together um which is together is going to take us like basically if we we announced and launched our first game in august it's almost like half a year so it's we're still almost like quarterly um series three series two we're trying to shoot for three games um and even in our direct we still may not announce one of the games which is going to be great when we do the new direct like we still might keep one off (laughs) (laughs) jp's like really i was like yeah let's let's not let's not talk about it like, um, but yeah, you gotta add a little excitement to it, you know. Oh, if 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 it was him, that he would spoil everything immediately because he can't hold. <laughs> I'm like, no. Like when I sent the uh, the guide to QAQC, I'm like, don't post anything, JP. <laughs> like, like no, do not post anything. It's not finalized. Well, I, I think that's why JP's so big on being like, you cannot post this anywhere when he shows us stuff. It's because he just secretly really wants to post it. He must be the first. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, he's the same thing when he like wants to be the first to open our games. I'm like, let the YouTubers and other people do it. Don't steal their thunder, man. <laughs> they got more following than we do. Well, and it's it's um I call it the the band mentality. You don't wear your own your own T-shirt as a band. Mm-hmm. Um, if he promotes premium stuff, it's his company. Like people are like, eh. Whereas other people post it, it's like, oh, this is cool because they're talking about a new company. Um, it's the same mentality. Like, JP could sit there and post about something from SRG and people are going to go crazy. He posts something similar about us, but it's his own. Like, he gets a lot less because it's pa- it's shilling. You're pandering. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same deal when I'm doing my books and stuff. It's like when you post about your own thing, it's people, people now. 
Yeah, um, well, everyone knows that you're doing your best to market your own thing and stuff like that. You know, yeah. if you get if you get an, an opinion from someone who has no stake in the matter, you feel like it has a lot more weight to it than someone being like, yes, my product that I have worked on and I'm trying to sell is very good and you should buy it too. And you're like, well, that very well could be, but you have a reason to tell me it's good, you know? Exactly, and I kind of, like, he's... He, he's gonna learn <laughs> but it's he's all about that twitter life and like twitter only goes so far like that's where you're you're learning with instagram and facebook and all the different social media platforms but like we gotta also think about just getting out there um i know a bunch of youtubers and we got a couple of um I, we were on slopes game room which is awesome yeah. Um. And I just I know I've known DJ Slope for a while. He's written in one of my books, which is I use that as a to not um what what is the word uh, bankrupt us from because <laughs> <laughs> we talked with AVGN and some other companies um and they're just so expensive. Oh, big um, time! Yeah, they yeah. definitely want to. <laughs> yeah. And, when are we gonna put JP on TikTok and have him do some TikTok dances? You know. Well, it, exactly. Just have him. Say, he probably would. Like, I'm sure he would. He would have. A, we could have him do the song to the "Let's Get Physical." He'd be ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Um, there was one thing that I added to the the guy though that was from his recommendations last night, and I added everybody who's associated with the release of the game in the guide. So, so you're actually going to be in the in the front of the book. Um, Ooh, nice. Uh, but yeah, all the team members and everybody that's been part of creating all the items. It's it's another piece and that was from a historic historian perspective. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good thing to add. So instead of just having a picture of the box art, which is what I had on a, a big old page, now it's the team and everybody who's create helped make it a create uh a uh the physical reality. And I thought that was a cool little that was a cool recommendation. <laughs> it, it is it is exciting to between the Switch Collector and that is exciting to finally like see my name next to something because I've done a lot of stuff on the internet. Yeah. I've mostly done stuff on the internet, which like that credit's cool, you know. But like to actually see something physically published with your name in it, that's going to be a really good moment. It's I mean it's been crazy because I've been publishing now for like ten years, and you know first seeing it out there physically was insane. And then it was like seeing it sell out or seeing people come to me at a convention with my collector's book tabbed out with what they're collecting because they added like their own way to, to track everything. So they had like yeah. color coordination. It was in my NES oddities, my homebrew book. And they were like mm. collecting all the homebrew and they had it all tabbed out. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> that's like the coolest. Yeah, I, I kind of miss when um, with Florida Gamers, um, I haven't been like we, we used to do like a lot of events and stuff like that and be a lot more active and actually doing stuff rather than just being an online community. I've just been busy and working on other things, but I miss going to conventions and having people come up and be like, oh, Frank, can I have a picture? I love your group and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, yes, you can. You can have anything you want from me. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's getting gross there, Frank. <laughs> but you, you, know what the, you know what the um, the top was on the bucket list, though? It wasn't even a bucket list until it happened. But yeah. um, somebody actually got one of my uh, book covers tattooed on them. Wow, that is cool. That is cool. That was like, I, that wouldn't even out of my bucket list. And when that happened, I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. It just shows me though that I'm doing things right when it comes to how I'm creating the covers. Because I mean, this is, you know, the art that he got tattooed was a Garbage Pail Kids artist cover. It was my complete NES, the Garbage Pail Kids 
artist did an NES version, and it looks amazing. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted for my cover because it encapsulated that era of gaming, and like that's I commissioned that from from Joe Simcoe from Garbage Pail Kids, uh, yeah. the guy who made Adam Bomb, <laughs> like the little the the classic Garbage Pail Kids card, mm-hmm. um, and so he got that tattoo and he's in the gamer group he'll he'll post it every once in a while i'm like hell yeah yeah he he modified it a little because he likes super nintendo so he changed some of the characters too and i'm Mm -hmm. like hey dude it's still awesome (laughs) like i'm down but it's still like bucket list once your art gets tattooed on someone on someone's body yeah big time (laughs) oh don't don't worry like we're we're getting cuts when it comes to um all the uh, I got a um, what is it sleeves cut off jean jacket um, that I'm gonna be getting all the patches sewn on for me. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, yeah, we need, to, we need to stick you into like a punk show wearing that and see well, if we can pick you out of the crowd. Well, you know you're a part of the team. You got to get a cut now. Um, uh, I'm about it. And you got to do your own, which means you add <laughs> your own flavor, your own style. However, you do the the jean jacket if you want a full jean jacket. However, you do it, but because like. Um, we mentioned this, I think it was in the, um, the Christmas party, but like, we're going to be doing a series one campaign where we talk, where we do like a book about each series release. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to be doing a, the first one we're going to be doing, a, we're going to do an exclusive patch for each one. Yeah. Um, and the backers can just buy this patch, not earned one. And, um, <clears throat> It'll be cool because the first one will probably just be the Premium Editions logo, like a big one. Um, yeah. Just uh, maybe two of them, maybe a small and a large, just so that way um, that way you can have the Premium Editions logo on the... Good old um, centerpiece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see exactly how the, um, the cut uh, evolves over time. But it's definitely not leather. we got to do it in jean jacket because it's 80s. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm uh, used to listen to a whole lot of punk music and have a whole lot of friends who can help me make the dopest jacket. <laughs> exactly, and I'm gonna just design my own my own way and got the first two patches here that I'm gonna figure out how the placement and all that, and then I'm probably gonna do the embroidered name. Like, so. yeah, I, see I I can't wait to see what people do with our stuff. I can't wait to see how people decide to to display it i can't wait to see the first fan who like dedicates a bookshelf to like opening up our releases and having everything on display and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's exciting to think about how the community is going to love and appreciate our product exactly and i mean i'm gonna be one of the biggest fanboys for my own stuff because i love it and Gotta. I haven't even decided how I'm going to do it yet. It's great. I have to figure it out because I mean, we've seen stuff what Super Rare does where they have like this cool like fr- where they get like it framed in a shadow box. And that's cool. But that's not my style. Like yeah. I like wooden displays and stuff. I might have something created. I don't know. I mean, hell, I got a switch kiosk. I might get vertical translite marquees made for every series. Ooh, there you um, go. And then when we're doing it, I just put that marquee in there. Um, I haven't decided yet. But it might be an interesting way to do it, and I just do a new marquee because I have guys who make our arcade marquees. I can just get yeah, it. Yeah, it would be kind of cool to see someone. You know how some people have like the old, like the old, like Walmart shelves and or something like that to mm-hmm. display stuff. Uh, to make like you know how they have like the Nintendo Switch things on the top. It would be cool to take one of those and put the characters from our releases behind it, <laughs> and put like the premium, like <laughs> this is the premium edition game section. 
Well, the interesting thing is, is I have my rental display for my um for my Switch collection, and my top three are face out for my top games, and then the very top is my top five, and mm. then but my f- other four shelves because there's seven shelves. The other four shelves now are completely filled sideways with all my Switch games, and with these mm-hmm. five games, it's it's beyond what I have. So I have to figure out how I'm going to expand my my display like this week because i don't know i I don't want to get rid of a third because i want three shelves of phase forward at least i had four where my middle shelf was the um bucket list the stuff the top seven games i wanted to play yeah Um, that's now gone (laughs) and filled so i don't know and my daughter at the bottom has her favorite games and there's too many now for her so i got to figure out what she what we got to do because i I mean, I have a whole closet where I have gotten rid of a lot of my non-Switch stuff. I may go that route. I don't know yet. It's it's yeah. going to be interesting to see like where my collection in 2021 progresses. But mm. um, and I mean, with every release, like I made perlers for both Series One games. So I have a Super Blood Hockey perler and an Awesome P perler that I made just because my daughter and I do perler bead time sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, the awesome P one. I gave more depth than the actual game has, which is fun. <laughs> Beautiful, very good. <laughs> all darker green. Um, and then I made one of the red characters for Super Blood Aki. But it'll be interesting to see um, what pe- other people do too, because I did something cool with um, Sunshine Anthology for Camp Sunshine. I, I did the Bear Perler. Um, mm-hmm. I do this thing called Bot Art, where you go to Goodwill and you buy a canvas. I found mm-hmm. a lake painting actual painting on canvas with a frame for three dollars nice and now i got the bear on there which camp sunshine you're on a lake yeah 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 <laughs> so it's uh, like i'm sure that looks awesome that's cool oh, it's ridiculous i'll share it with the group and i'll i'll post it on um on the page or something mm-hmm. but like it is ridiculous and like i just um attached it now to the to the painting yesterday so it should yeah. be all it should be all good um I didn't put Loctite on. I used a weird type of glue, so hopefully it sticks. But um, yeah, it's that's gonna go on the wall somewhere. And I do weird art stuff like that that I just enjoy. I don't do it for others. I do it for me. Um, well, I'd, I'd love to see someone do like I love um, behind my setup. I have a bunch of shadow boxes. I love pixel game shadow boxes. It would be cool to see someone make like a four quadrant awesome, or a pigeon game dev one with like a little yeah. quadrant dedicated to each of the games or something like that. That would be really cool. Oh, don't worry, because you said Office when it came to um, Robot Name Fight, the the canvas. Like, all this bot art will be there, too. It'll be... Because, like, I'm waiting for the perfect one for Super Blood Hockey and for Awesome P. Because um, mm-hmm. I just have the P, and then I have a hockey player. So I just got to figure out what fits that aesthetic. And mm-hmm. it's just it just has to be the right place at the right time. The thing that's behind me when we're recording, it was a, another painting of... Um, like almost like the woods, but it's a it's it's one of those soft paintings. It's mm-hmm. the ones where it's like felt. That's the painting that's behind me that I put Splatterhouse on. The one that has the Splatterhouse characters that's like behind me when we were doing our recordings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is like felt. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's ridiculous. Um, but either way, though, it'll be cool to see how people like customize their collections with. Yeah. That's going to be that's one of my things that I'm most excited for. I love seeing collectors do cool things with their collection, you know, and that's definitely something that we're going to see. Yep. 
Um, so we've been over an hour and a half, Frank. <laughs> um, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you and let's uh, wrap this sucker up? Yeah, sure. Um, like I said, my name's Frank. You guys can find me on most socials at uh, WoodmanFLG. Um, I stream occasionally on Twitch, mostly just doing some old retro RPGs. You can also find me over at MonsterVine, at MonsterVine. They're a website that does lots of cool content, reviews, video stuff. Uh, we had a PAX panel. That was really fun back when conventions were a thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd love to hear from any of you guys. I'm having an absolute blast working over here with PEG and working with JP more. Um, and I'm just I'm excited for the future and what is to come from here. And I guess Jeff's all right, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm OK. <laughs> we love you, Jeff. You know it. I'm the creative type. I kind of disappear into a hole and create things and then explain to JP about scope creep. <laughs> 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 oh lord um so as always you can find all of our stuff at premium edition games.com uh this podcast will be everywhere you can listen to podcasts it goes on all the aggregates um automatically which is great um and if you have any questions for frank you know on anchor uh you can record a voicemail and we can actually play it for frank so Ooh, that's um, fun yeah so ask frank any questions maybe uh anything you might come to your mind or tell frank that um it sounds like he's smoking weed the whole episode. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, that guy was just so chill. He was toking the whole time. I could hear him. <laughs> well, Frank, thanks for uh, coming on, and uh, thanks for being a part of Premium, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime, bud. Danger pretty here in nice city
Yeah. 